The Melting Pot. Hosted by Dominic Munkhaus. Hello, I'm Dominic Munkhaus. Welcome to The Melting Pot Podcast. Today I'm joined by Kate Murden, the founder and CEO at Push Mind and Body. I'm going to be talking to her about what it took to leave 16 years in the advertising industry and set up her own business. Kate talks openly about some of the challenges that she faced that drove her to start her own business to fill the void. So many entrepreneurs have that personal drive to fill a gap in the market that they themselves experienced and Kate's no different there. And what she's doing now to solve problems for brands like Sainsbury's, ITV and Twitter, looking really at wellness. So Kate, welcome. Tell us, who are you and what do you do? I'm Kate and Kate Murden and I am the founder of Push Mind and Body. Soon probably to just be Push, but more of that later. And we've been going, well, we four years this December. We are a corporate wellness company. We help people, teams, and companies work better. And whilst that sounds very simple, we've spent a long time on those words. So uh, I'm very proud that we finally got to them. Are they all equally important? (laughs) Yes, they are. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, the work better bit is really, really important. The people, teams, and companies is super important because... It's very important for demonstrating that we have an understanding of people and that everything that we do is focused on individuals. But ultimately, we understand that in order for this stuff to be signed off, it's got to make financial sense. And I think that we've talked long and hard about the kind of thing around corporate wellness. And actually, corporate well-being conjures up images of yoga in a boardroom. And actually, what we talk about is, is helping those companies work better and be more well and therefore wellness seems more in fitting with that. So it's a lot of work has gone into that and, and we've only actually done it over the last few weeks actually. And and that's probably, you know, as we've we've really kept evolving as a company, you know, and it and it does much about the culture of the company and the and the engagement of the team and as much as the performance of the people. So um I think we've really broadened the work that we do. And therefore yes, they are all equally important. Your reticence to be yoga in the boardroom is that why you've dropped the mind and body that's exactly right basically to not put too fine a point on it you know we we need to move away from the fluffy right i mean i i say that i say that slightly loathingly in that you know i think well-being ain't going anywhere right you know wellness is here to stay people and i think finally companies are sitting up and realizing how important it is to look after your team in a time when when the world is moving at such pace and we treat ourselves like the computers that we use. And the one thing that we forget to do is to, to re-energize or to rest. Companies are realizing that they need to look after their teams and give them the tools to be able to deal with this new world. So wellness and well-being ain't going anywhere. But I think it's a slightly different shift on it so that it fits, so it feels more corporate. Or moreover, it has financial reward for the company in doing that because that's the way that we get this stuff signed off, right? Yeah, because yoga in the boardroom is a perk and push is right. something that has a bottom line impact. Thank you. And that's why I want to work with you, Dom, because you sum shit up. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Rather than me waffing on for 10 minutes, yep, that's exactly it. It's not a perk, it, it's a must. So corporate, define for us, who's a target customer for you? Who's an ideal customer for you? So I come from the, you know, I worked in 20 years in advertising, so I get that space really, really well. Push has been designed for busy professionals to live and work better. I, I come from that space of media and advertising. I get that world really, really well. That's where the mainstay of our clients have been. But actually, the work that we're doing now is very much stretching into a lot of different areas. We've just signed off LaSalle. We've worked with Barclay Homes for quite some time. We're pitching, and fingers crossed, we'll come somewhere with Trainline, which arguably is a tech company. We are very much getting into new markets. So, you know, it's always, it's always tailored for busy professionals. And certainly our reach is growing into a lot of different areas. And what problem does the CEO at your client yeah. face that for which you're the the tool to Answer. fix it do you know what and i'm really pleased that you've asked that because I, because th- there you go there's a beautiful ex- a beautiful example of of why we changed it to corporate wellness if 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 wellness is the question and the answer isn't the, the question isn't being asked right what i mean by that is that what i'm really keen to do is to to leapfrog over anyone saying we need a well-being program and to come in and to answer the business problems that teams are having that we then go and work with, if that makes sense. So, you know, where we come in is we, we focus on three separate areas. So culture, engagement and performance. We believe companies with stronger cultures have much greater productivity and much greater propensity for their teams to stay there and to love working there. So we help, company, we help companies create cultures that people want to be part of, or indeed we help their people create cultures that they want to be part of. Um, we look at engagement as well. You know, the fact of the matter is only 30%, 30% of the workforce actually think, believe that they're engaged. You know, that's a horrifying fact. You know, and if, and if not disengaged, actively disengaged where they're causing new problems. So, you know, how do we engage teams? How do we help them and love the place that they work? And then finally, we look at performance and falling within that, the learning and development and harder and softer skills as, as well as actual resilience. So focusing on those individuals, getting them to peak performance so that they genuinely feel like they're thriving in the roles that they're doing. So there's three quite big, chunky areas that we work with them. Are, are all the tools you deploy things push has developed itself or are they are, are there sort of things you've been able let to take me, off the shelf really, or? Let, let me be really honest you know in terms of how of how we work we're essentially a talent network my, myself and my team so i have a core team of just coming up to five people we're just about to employ our fifth person we are a core team that go in and act as translators we translate what the business problem in is into a, a, a person-centric solution, right? A people-centric solution. And we then bring in the right team to be able to deliver that. So we speak with the, the, your team and we create a solution for you with the right team to be able to deliver it. But essentially, we are bringing together talent, the right talent to be able to deliver that. So we don't IP the deliverables, the tools, as it were, our IP comes in in the formula that we use in the first place and the process and the program that we create in the first place. And actually, you know, rather interestingly, what I'm working on at the moment is an IPable program, something that is very much ours. You know, I, I, I want us to be known 
for having this tool that that we go in and and whilst it will the, the execution of it will be completely different in every single instance in order to support that team that company that those individuals they they go through a process which is ownable by push what do you do to people <laughs> or what do you what does your process what does your process look like at the beginning so that you can you can line up your network of talented individuals and you know how do you yeah. how do you how do you scope the problem for a client so there's two two things so the process and then the program so the process is that we understand we create we manage and we execute slash measure so the understanding is we do an audit and we do one to one interviews to really understand what's going on within the company then we create so we basically then tailor the right program to to deliver it to to that team we then execute it so complete end-to-end solutions so we you know we operate in pain relief we basically take away all the pain so that companies don't have to and then finally we constantly measure and evolve that 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 program so so that it's completely on point so that's our process the program is based upon the basic human needs. So we basically ensure that the individuals are satisfied, that their four basic human needs are satisfied within our programs. First of all, social, so that they understand their own vision and how it aligns with that of the company and, and their values as well. Emotional, so that they feel safe and secure, so that they feel like they're within a secure environment in order to then be able to bring their best to it and, and in line with obviously ensuring that that their values align with that of the company. Then we go into mental so that they feel focused and they feel they feel stimulated in the work they do and also that their growth and development are being supported. And then finally physical. So that's basically where we look at, you know, are they eating, sleeping, having enough rest, having enough exercise. So really looking at their resilience. So we so basically our programs then will cover off those four basic human needs. And and that, that everything that we do will ladder up to those. Just going back to the sort of CEO of your clients, do they yeah. What are they doing? Are they are they sitting there going, staff turnover's too high, people yeah. seem to be going off sick too high? Are they are they the main are they the main drivers or are there some others? Those are, those are the main thing. I think really nowadays it's a combination of attrition levels. More and more we're hearing about stress, that people being signed off with stress and 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 I hate to say this, but we certainly we've dealt with some companies where, where I'm afraid suicide has happened. There have been instances of suicide um, and indeed people have actually been on suicide within the suicide watch within the company. So the, the, propens- the, the, the propensity of that is really growing. And just people engagement really in productivity. So looking at how in particular, you know, a really, really big area for us is how we support teams throughout tr- transition. You know, one, one, of the, one of the greatest areas you know, the, 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 one of the one consistency that you have is change, if not even more than ever. And actually, it's about supporting teams throughout those periods in order to ensure that they're, they're still delivering. You know, we worked with Oath or Yahoo as, as they joined with AOL um, to form Oath. And it was basically about looking after people through looking after people throughout that merger, uh, throughout that process. The point being is that, you know, and, and actually the 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 reaction that we had from the team was, you know, we, we still didn't know what was coming, but we felt prepared for it. We're not a change management company. We don't look after the process. We look after the people within it to ensure that they can still keep delivering at optimum level throughout those periods. It, with something like that AOL Yahoo transition, yeah, is it difficult to measure success? I mean, does somebody have to say, we think it could have been this bad and it wasn't that bad? Or is there, it, was it easier to get some sort of 
ROI well, or I some mean, metric on the table? Well, listen, you know, when it comes to our work, you know, our work is particularly hard to measure. And the reason it's particularly hard to measure is it's dependent upon what the client is, how the client is prepared to work with you. So we look at three measurements of success. We have feedback from every single session that we do directly afterwards. We have engagement metrics. So we have the survey that we do beforehand and we'll then go back in on quarterly tranches to look at the shift in metrics on that. And then we'll look at tangible business metrics. Um, across a period of time. So um, with one of the clients, Havas, that we work with, we've managed to get their attrition levels down by 30%. And in the case of OS, we looked at their sales targets. So we looked at how they were hitting their sales targets across that period and whether or not the teams were still able to deliver against them versus their norm. So it's, it's dependent upon that which we can work with our client on. But, you know, coming back to that point about, you know, wanting to turn this into a hard line, you know, because that that's what people buy. The fact that with someone like Habat, we've been able to demonstrate how we've saved them saved them a million and a half pounds. Once you equate those figures back, that suddenly becomes a really real figure. Okay, look, that's fab. Um, and so five employees now, world yeah. domination. What's the? Do you have a? <laughs> do you, what what do you have a do you have a do you have a big vision for the business or big vision for humanity <laughs> or what's Pushful is born out of a genuine desire that I wanted no one else to go through what I'd gone through. You know, I, I was signed off with stress. And prior to that, I'd spent a year just feeling like I was existing. And that's pretty rubbish. You know, and, and it's come from a genuine desire that I want to share this stuff that I've learned, you know, in, in that, you know, I believe that if you understand yourself better, then you can work better. And it's great being able to see teams change. Certainly some of the work that we're doing at the moment where we're working with a company on their vision and values, how, how, they, how you can see them growing and developing as a company is amazing. I set out at the beginning of the year with two members of staff. And I said by the end of the year, I wanted five members of staff. And we're in May and we're, we're there. I want, I want to keep going with that. Personally, I think one of my biggest goals is I need to get my time right as in I need to be sure that I'm I'm doing the thing that I want to be doing my actual day-to-day job that's my real goal for the end of the year so cutting up cutting up the the workload so I'm actually doing what I want to be doing rather than everything which is kind of what I'm doing at the moment yeah the the sort of uh, small business entrepreneurs dilemma what want to work yeah. for yourself but actually not really having a company and end up doing loads of stuff that you don't like doing, which is why you ended up working for yourself in the first place. Absolutely. And what's lovely is that, you know, what one of the things I've really realised, and, and Dom, I imagine you know this better than anyone, when you start your own business, you get to know yourself like you, like you can't even believe because it's literally just you, you doing all of it. And, and you have to face yourself head on and learn more about yourself than you ever have. And that, that was a challenge, right? But actually, I'm starting to come out of that period now because I've got a proper team around me and it feels like a company. But now, I, you know, I need to move it on to actually for the job to become something that I re- what I really want to do rather than being the business owner, getting involved every single part of it. And actually, you know, what I really want to do is much more of the facilitation and the content and still stay within the kind of the business development side because that's my baby. 
But, you know, actually going out and doing talks and, and facilitating workshops, because that's what I genuinely love. So it's about building the business around me to be able to enable that. Could I take you back then to before Bush and to before your year of rubbishness? Could you tell me about that? How you ended up setting up a business on your own and not... Lots of people end up not engaged, but most people plod yeah. on. So how did you sort of overcome inertia or fear or... And particularly if you're... If you were in a position where, you know, you're not firing on all cylinders, then it, it must have been really difficult to break out of that cycle. Yes, I was working in media. As I was 16 years, I was working in media and I'd, I'd reached a head of partnerships in a really big media agency and, and up until then, I loved it. I loved everything about media. You know, I loved the work, the craft itself. I, I loved the social side of it. You know, my life was entrenched in that world. But towards the, that last year or so, I just kind of lost the love of it. It just kind of, it just didn't feel like me so much anymore. And I was, that thing about existing, you know, I was just kind of waiting for the weekend. That's a pretty rubbish, rubbish way to spend your life, right? Anyway, so I, uh, I'd i always kind of like half looked after myself and half drunk wildly at the weekends as well. And as part of my kind of looking after myself in the January of 2014, I went off to um, a boot camp and I loved it. So a, a fitness retreat. And I loved it, absolutely everything about it. And I came away from it. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to go and run. I want to go and create my own boot camp. Anyway, so I came back full of hope and promise. And lo and behold, two weeks later, I was sucked back into life and my job and my mortgage and my friends. And it just seemed like a totally unrealistic dream. Anyway, so that was that. Fast forward to the summer, the July, and my mum, bless her, hadn't been very well. She had cancer, which fortunately she made full recovery from. But that, for me, was a real tipping point. And, and all of those kind of pressures came crashing in. And I, I was signed off with stress. And I just kind of sat back at that point and thought, Do you know what, this, this is the universe's way of giving me a bit of a nudge. I shouldn't be doing this anymore and, and I should be thinking about doing something else. And I decided at that point I've got to turn it from being the worst thing that happened to me to the best thing. And that's when I started working on the concept of push. So I managed to have a very honest conversation with the company that was the company that I was working for. I don't want to be here anymore. I don't think you want me to be here anymore. Let's have a conversation about me leaving. And it was with that that I then started working on what push was going to be. Um, and it just, as I said, it came from a genuine desire that I just didn't want anyone else to have to go through what I had gone through. That feeling of just existing and, and just not being, you know, and, and ultimately being signed off with stress and realising that you can actually do something about it. And, and you're right. In those moments, how do you find the energy to do these things? I genuinely feel when, when you have nothing. A, a man much, much wiser than me once said, when all you have is nothing, then everything is possible. And, and that's where I've got to. You know, I had to turn that around and that's what galvanised me to do it. So what did you do? First customer, first thing. So basically, I then after that, I went over to, this is before Push had kind of been formed, I went over to Ibiza to go and run a retreat with one of the trainers that I'd met at the boot camp that I'd gone to. And so we went over to Ibiza and was there two days and it became woefully apparent that it absolutely was not going, we were not going to work in partnership with each other. So I came away from that thinking, what am I going to do? I've literally given up my career to start this. And that's when I came back and, and, and started thinking about, dear God, I could actually do this on my own, which just seemed like a crazy idea. And I just kind of think when things are, when things are right, they start falling into place. And as I said, you know, Push was always created from a desire of helping busy professionals like myself. 
So I started pulling together different people that I knew. And Push originally was around um, four different disciplines. So my nutrition, exec coaching and exercise. And I knew people in all of these different disciplines. And it just made sense to, to give people that kind of holistic package. So I launched in the December. And in the January, we had our first retreat. So we were retreat-based initially. So the idea was is that people came um, to a retreat for, for a week. And they basically, they'd learn all of these skills, which they'd then take back with them back to their real lives. And, you know, I mean, I look back on it and it's ridiculous. You know, I, somehow I think we had like, I think we had six people on that first retreat. I don't know quite how I pulled it off and ran this retreat in the New Forest. And it was amazing, you know. And I, you know, I pulled in every single favor I'd ever been owed in terms of PR. And actually, I think we ran eight retreats that year. We had eight retreats in total. I've never had any massive desire to run my own business. Um, but I created these retreats thinking, you know, this, this, this romantic dream that I'd be waffing around an old farmhouse with two gun dogs at my feet. Lo and behold, I ended up sending out bog-off emails, desperately trying to get people to come along to it and, and refilling toilet rolls. You know, it absolutely was not the job of my dreams that I thought it was going to be. And at the same time, you know, people were kind of saying to us, oh, we really want to come along to one of your retreats, but we can't get them off work. And then a friend of mine who at the time was the marketing director of Twitter said, oh, we'd actually really like to do something with you. We'd like to do something in-house. And bear in mind, so this is kind of like the, the back end of 2014. And it was like, fuck, this, this is it. This could be the thing. Actually, why, why am I expecting, if I want to help busy professionals, why am I expecting them to come to us? Why don't I take this stuff to them? And that's how Push and its current guys has formed. And the business model obviously works so much better. And moreover, is a means of getting to many, many, many more people much more quickly. And it just made, makes complete sense. So that over that process, so really in its current guise, Push has kind of been going for about three years. And prior to that, we had a year's worth of retreats running. Are there types of things that you're, you're yet to bring into your sort of portfolio as you, as you develop? I suppose that what I would say is that what I, I mean, in terms of the kind of the well-being functionality, we're really good at that, right? You know, and the breadth of everything that we do is is huge. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we've really waxed to come and do one of our talks, you know, and then on the other, other side, we have Beyonce dance classes, one-to-one coaching, psychotherapy, nutrition, lunch and that, you know, that we've got that stuff down, right? But then on the other side, you know, actually the area I think that we, I, I want us to get really good at is the culture stuff. It's just so fundamentally important about helping companies get their cultures genuinely right and understand what their purpose is. And I think purpose-driven organizations, uh, you know, are going to become more, is going to become more and more prevalent and also values-driven, right? So, you know, doing things for the right reasons, working out what they are. You know, I saw, I saw a really interesting stat the other day, and it's so, so true. So many companies, they're so uber-keen to understand what their competitors are doing and then just go and emulate them. And the reason being is because they don't stand for enough themselves rather, you know, and, and making their own decisions themselves about what they want to do. And, and so there's a huge opportunity there in helping companies really understand what they, what they actually stand for. I think another really big area for us as well, you know, what, what we're noticing nowadays, and I, and I use this term loosely, but, and I slightly hate it, but millennials, you know, what, what they want to know is how a company is going to help them learn and develop. 
to how do we start working with companies to have really brilliant growth programs in place to support their team really improving themselves as much as their harder skills. We know how much if your self-awareness improves, then your productivity improves. It's really simple. And so areas like that are really going to be a big focus for us, I think, over the next few years. Kate, that's magic. Before I let you go, I've got I've got one last question to throw at you. Go um, on. <laughs> if you started it all again, yes. what, would, what would you do differently? Do you know what? I must say, I saw my coach the other day, and I must say that I, 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 should, I should start this conversation by saying I was very tired when I went to see her. And she was like, so what do you really want to do? I was like, oh, I just want to sit in a room and stroke cats. And which, which obviously isn't really what I want to do. But I think that if I was going to do it all again, I, hmm, I listen, I, I'm, I, I, think, I think my big thing at the moment is that I really want to get right what my actual job title is, so, or, or rather my job description is. And what I really want my job description to be is the doing of what PUSH does, i.e. the coaching and the facilitation. So what I would probably do is start with what I do and then grow it out rather than maybe doing the facilitation for other people to do that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm very happy that's what we do, and I'm very happy that's what I do. But my big focus at the moment is getting the thing that I do right for me more than anything else, not so much for the business for me. So I think I would I would do more of what I'm truly, tr- incredibly passionate about and, and have, have the opportunity to do more of that within the business that I'm passionate about. That sounds like that's you telling yourself to take some of your own medicine. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I'm running a wellbeing company and my wellbeing is just nowhere near as high as it, it needs to be. And, 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 and that's the thing, you know, we, I sat down with my team on, uh, yesterday and we talked about this, you know, we're, we're busy at the moment and I would be a fool if, if I wasn't managing that, you know, the well-being of my team is my priority. You know, the way that we work, we all, have, I mean, of course, it's a completely flexible, fluid way of working. I've got a, a holiday policy, you know, a no limitation holiday policy, of course. You know, we all have real open hours and open hours in terms of how, how and when we work. That's the one gift that I can give my team when you work with a small company. But the fact of the matter is, is we're all really busy at the moment and we're, and we're stressed because we need a new account manager. You know, I'm, I'm not doing the work that I want to be doing. One of my team isn't doing the work that she wants to be doing. And another one of my te- and the other one of my team is, is having way too much responsibility being pushed upon her. Therefore, we need that account manager in place to, to help all of our well-being. So, yeah, that, there is a, very much a dose of our own medicine. And, and once you get that, everyone's happier. When they're happier, they work better. And I can already see, since we had that conversation yesterday, we're more united again, again, rather than slightly frayed edges, which is where we've got to. Kate, thank you very much indeed for taking the time to talk to me today. You're very welcome. Thanks, Dom. The Melting Pot was hosted by Dominic Monkhouse. And you can find out more about Dom on LinkedIn. Just search for Dominic Monkhouse or his companies, Foundry Media or Foundry 51.